do to you. Uh, so our Old Testament text for today is all of chapter 10, all of chapter 11, and the first four, first four verses of uh, chapter 12 of Daniel. Not reading all of it. Don't worry, I'm still reading plenty. Um, I'm only going to read verses uh, chapter 11, uh, what is it, 21 through um, chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, but let me, before I read that, sort of give you what's happened in chapter 10 and chapter 11 leading up to it. Real quick, cliff notes. Uh, this is not going to be verbatim from the text. I'll take some liberties. Uh, Daniel is by the Tigris River. He's mourning and fasting has been for three weeks. This man in a linen cloth shows up with a gold belt, um, eyes like flaming torches, a face like lightning. Um, Daniel falls. Uh, he's touched by something and he gets up and the person, the being linen cloth person says, don't fear. Um, God's heard your words, yada, yada, yada. That is from the text. Um, Daniel says, hey, my vision is weakened. My strength is gone. And then another one of human form touches Daniel, uh, strengthens him, says, don't fear. And then Daniel's like, okay, I'm ready. Give me the word. That's chapter 10. First 20 verses of chapter 11, uh, the, the dude in linen cloth sort of rattles off a, a bunch of history. Uh, kings of the north do this. Kings of the south do this. Another king does this. An army comes up. Uh, it's very almost sort of games of thronies as there's alliances that are made and alliances that are broken. And essentially what's happening is uh, the author of Daniel in those first 20 uh, 20 verses of chapter 11 is giving an overview of 400 years from the fall of Babylon to the current uh, reign of uh, Antiochus IV of Epiphanes. Uh, but the the telling of the story is very uneven. So 200 years of Persian rule uh, gets one verse. Uh, the reign of Alexander, which is significant, that gets two verses. Uh, conflict between uh, Ptolemies in the south and Seleucids in the north, which is 148 years, that gets 16 verses. And then where I'm about to read is talks about the rule of Antiochus, um, which lasted less than a decade, but gets 26 verses. <laughs> so we have a rather uh, uneven coverage of 400 years, but... Um, right oh yeah 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 right yep yep uh yeah the author yes yeah yeah uh the author's trying to get to the present day um to the rule uh, that they're currently under so uh let me read the text this is daniel chapter 11 verse 21 through chapter 12 verse 4 um and listen for Sort of what sticks out to you, what surprises you uh, along the way. In his place, and it's talking about the previous king, um, in his place shall arise a contemplable person. And that contemplable person is um, Antiochus. A contemptible person on whom royal majesty had not been conferred. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom through intrigue. Armies shall be utterly swept away and broken before him, and the prince of the covenant as well. 
And after an alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully and become strong with a small party. Without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province and do what none of his predecessors had ever done, lavishing plunder, spoil, and wealth on them. He shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for a time. He shall stir up his power and determination against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall wage war with a much greater and stronger army. But he shall not succeed, for plots shall be devised against him by those who eat of the royal nations. They shall break him, his army shall be swept away, and many shall fall slain. The two kings, their minds bent on evil, shall sit at one table and exchange lies. But it shall not succeed, for there remains an end at the time appointed. He shall return to his land with great wealth, but his heart shall be set against the holy covenant. He shall work his will and return to his own land. At the time appointed, he shall return and come into the south. But this time, it shall not be as it was before. For ships of Katim shall come against him, and he shall lose heart and withdraw. He shall be enraged and take action against the holy covenant. He shall turn back and pay heed to those who forsake the holy covenant. Forces sent by him shall occupy and profane the temple and fortress. They shall abolish the regular burnt offering and set up the abomination that makes desolate. He shall seduce with intrigue those who violate the covenant. But the people who are loyal to their God shall stand firm and take action. The wise among the people shall give understanding to many. For some, for some days, however, they shall fall by sword and flame and suffer, suffer captivity and plunder. When they fall victim, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join them insincerely. Some of the wise shall fall, so that they may be refined, purified, and cleansed until the time of the end, for there is still an interval until the time appointed. The king shall act as he pleases. He shall exalt himself and consider himself greater than any god, and shall speak horrendous things against the god of gods. He shall prosper until the period of wrath is completed, for what is determined shall be shall be done. He shall pay no respect to the god gods of his ancestors or to the one beloved by women. He shall pay no respect to any other god, for he shall consider himself greater than all. He shall honor the god of fortresses instead of these, a god whose, whom his ancestors did not know he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. I want to put a pin right there. Just remember that. He shall deal with the strongest fortresses by the help of a foreign god. Those who acknowledge him, he shall make more wealthy and shall appoint them as rulers over many and shall distribute the land for a price. At the time of the end of the king of the south shall attack him. But the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and with many ships. He shall advance against countries and pass through like a flood. He shall come into the beautiful land and tens of thousands shall fall victim. But Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites shall escape from his power. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of the Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver and all the riches of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall follow in his train. But reports from the east and the north shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to bring ruin and complete destruction to many. He shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end with no one to help him. 
At that time, Michael, the great prince, the protector of your people, shall arise. There shall be a time of anguish, such as never occurred since nations first came into existence. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep the word secret and the book sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be running back and forth and evil shall increase. Lots happening. Um, what'd you notice? Anything stick out to you? Lots of shalls, yes. Shall, 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 shall. Yeah. Lots of death. Yep. Mm. Sorry, microphone. Yeah, for people. Yeah, there's people. I think you have to hit the mute button on the bottom. I don't know. Here? Here? I don't know if it's comforting or if it's horrifying, but it feels very tale as old as time and that we're going to keep doing this. And it also feels Mm. that there's not a lot of talk of the people who have to get caught up Mm. in this power struggle between leaders. Like, There's the power struggle. Egos get hurt. Feelings get hurt. There's lashing out. There's changing of minds. There's putting people in power that shouldn't be in power. But it doesn't talk a lot about the the swath of people Mm -hmm. that that affects. Mm -hmm. And then it says anguish, but there's so much more detail, I think, that could have gone into, like, how this affects all the people that are not in power. Yeah, that's really well said, Lord. Any other thoughts? Anything you notice? Uh, I was just struck by the, in verse 37, he shall pay no attention to their, to the gods of his ancestors or to the one beloved by women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't write it in my notes. It's, it's, uh, uh, what's the, there, it's it's a female god, was well known and beloved by women that it's referencing, and that whole section there is is talking. It's building off of um, uh, Antiochus clearly doesn't care for anybody but his own development, and that section is also saying he also really gives no care about any god, um, not the god of his ancestors, not the god of uh, the covenant. Um, the God of the Jewish people, uh, the God that women like, right? I keep, it, it's, it's saying the only thing that Antiochus cares about is himself. Um, doesn't even pay reference to, um, God's as most, um, he is the God in his world. Yeah. Oh, what's the name? That's going to bow. Nah, that's right. Yeah. Just gonna put that out there. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'm always struck by like the things that, where God is like, don't tell anyone, like keep this sealed. Yes. Like why? Yeah. Why? That Jesus feels, I know, like don't talk about this. Don't <laughs> keep this sealed up till the end. You're like, why? Why? So all of chapter 11, uh, the one that I gave a quick recap of that I didn't read. Um, and then the first, 18 verses that I read, verses 21 through 39, up until that point where I said, put a pin in it. Uh, all of those seem to be with some accuracy, historically accurate. Like there's extra biblical uh, uh, sources that confirm uh, what's happening there. So the author of Daniel, which is, as we've talked about, written during the time of Antiochus in the second century, even though Daniel was a... Um, uh, fifth century um, figure, it is talking about and dealing with very specifically what's happening to the Jewish people under the rule of Antiochus. So you have in verses 21 through 39, sort of here's what's happened in this prophetic note of this shall happen and this shall happen, but really what they're doing is this is what's happened. And then after that, you have what scholars believe to be the author uh, predicting sort of making up stuff, like what's going to happen. So, for example, it has um, Antiochus uh, pitching his palatial tents between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain, and that's where his end comes. So as I'm dying in Palestine, well, Antiochus died in Persia. Um, It has this bit about the king of the north. Um, uh, Let's talk of Edom and Moab, but most of the things that, that the author writes about didn't actually happen. Uh, that he's trying in that moment to say, this is what's going to happen to Antiochus. And then you get to chapter 12, and that's where you get this resurrection scene. Uh, and throughout chapter 10, 11, and the first four verses of 12, you heard the talk of the wise, the wise among them. Um, some would fall by sword. And here in chapter 12, you have the wise, um, in this day of resurrection, well, Michael will come, and after the season of anguish, the wise, um, th- those who've been um, dead, what does it say? Uh, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some of those to everlasting life, uh, and some of those to shame and everlasting contempt. Um So as we've discussed before, Daniel, this person who lived um, up till 537, um, this is prophetic literature, grabbing from the past to say something about the present. Prophetic literature like Daniel, it's not future telling. They're not soothsayers. They're not trying to say this is exactly what's going to happen. It is an attempt. It's always an attempt. All prophetic literature is an attempt to reveal a truth about the current moment that folks are living in and how to better understand what it means to follow God in that moment. So the author of Daniel writes about Daniel, who lived centuries before, not in attempt to recount history or to say what's going to happen, but to say something about that moment. And the primary question for the Jewish people living in the time of Antiochus is, are they going uh, to be and live among the wise or are they going to live by the principles and powers, principalities and powers of Antiochus? 
And the talk of the resurrection, anticipation of the resurrection, isn't, I don't think, the author's primary concern that a day of resurrection is going to happen, but more an articulation of what it means to truly live is to not live by the powers and principalities of Antiochus, but to live by the powers by the powers and rhythms of God. Um, so let me pause there. Everyone tracking? That makes sense? Okay. Any questions, comments? <laughs> yeah. Why, 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 what? Yeah. So I just. Mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. <laughs> no, I just re- listening to all this, it strikes me, and, and it's interesting that you, you kind of note this point where, like, the, the, everything is told as if it's a prediction of the future, but then there's like a certain point where it's like, okay, all of a sudden we were really accurate. Yeah. And then, and it just, it, it struck me, it's like, this is almost like the way that some people use this, these passages of the Bible today to be like, hey, and then this thing is going to happen and this government's going to fall and then this war is going to happen over here and then these people are going to go to Jerusalem and then whatever. Right. And it's like, it's almost like the, the ancient version of that where it's just like, I'm going to tell you the end is here and here it all is. Yep. And. Then Antiochus is going to do this and this and this, and it didn't quite pan out exactly that way. I, I don't know. I just I find that really interesting that yeah. we're still kind of doing the same thing uh, with the same text um, in different contexts over and over again. Poorly, poorly, and getting it wrong, very poorly, consistently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the why then, Julie, is not to predict what's going to happen, but to say how should I order my life right now. So the people who are receiving this, this, this word about Daniel in that moment, um, is really asking, um, in what way do I need to order my life so that I'm living in wisdom? And wisdom is to live among the wise is, is sort of a broad umbrella for living in a, a life that's patterned after what we believe to be the way of God. Um, so Jen and I yesterday went and uh, saw the movie Till. Anyone else seen it? Um, it is about a uh, 14-year-old boy, Emmett Till, uh, who went to visit, went from Chicago to Money, Mississippi, to visit his uh, uh, uncles and cousins and was kidnapped and lynched. And it's a story of... Yeah, talk to a white lady. Um, uh, the movie follows and highlights uh, his mother, uh, May May, uh, Till Bradley, who fights to get his body not buried immediately, but up to Chicago. And she sees him battered and bruised and unrecognizable and decides to do an open casket, right? So it gets, it gets lots of traction. Of course, the two men uh, were... Uh, acquitted. acquitted yep 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 and later admitted it and uh the woman um who said that you know he he bound her and and said don't worry i've been with white women before um she later admitted oh yeah all that was lie he didn't do anything um so as a result the united states has the emmett till uh anti-lynching act 
Uh, any guesses from those who didn't see the movie when this came into law? March. Yeah, 2022. Emmett Till would have been 80 years old. Uh, 67 years after. Uh, there have been in over 100 years of U.S. legislation, uh, over 200 attempts to get an anti-lynching law in. The first one is in 1906 by Representative George White, who's the only, uh, black person in Congress at the time trying to get one through. And then there's been 200 more, uh, since then. In the new act, it amends uh, the existing federal criminal code, builds off of the Matthew Shepard and James uh, Byrd Jr. Hate Crime Prevention Act. And this new act um, uh, provides broader categories beyond just murder. Um, that lynching, the difference is that in the idea of lynching, uh, the person who was killed or seriously injured is not the only victim. That lynchings that are typically motivated by race, religion, etc., um, are attempts to send a broader message to the people of the community of the victim. Right? It's they're meant to say you're not safe here or you don't belong. So, for example, if this law were in place, the three uh, men who murdered Ahmad Aubrey uh, could have been found guilty under lynching, which would have added 30 years, which is the broad, or the man who murdered Heather um, Heyer with his car in um, in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017, that could have also been. Uh, and it, it is, it's, it's shocking to watch the movie. It's, it's shocking um, to even, to, to even talk about these little events. Uh, because lynching is, is, it seems such a clear right and wrong. Uh, but the fact that it took 67 years from Emmett Till and over 200 attempts in a hundred years is evidence of the very, uh, pervasive, uh, insidious, subversive realities of white supremacy. Uh, that make it impossible to pass those kinds of laws or make it really difficult, right? So it's not just, I, I'm guessing all of us would agree lynchings are terrible. And if given, and if in a moment we would, we would likely resist. Um, but lynchings are the extreme example of a very pervasive power and principality, uh, of which, um, we participate and are culpable at times. And, uh, Right, so right, right now, uh, the, uh, organization that I work for, uh, whose name I won't say. Yeah. <laughs> you can Google my name if you want to. All the people who are going to listen to this. Um, uh, there is a fairly significant movement, uh, around conversations of race and Equity inclusion, uh, very strong movement and push, uh, to avoid what have been considered, uh, politically charged inflammatory terms. So, uh, stay away from white supremacy, the words white supremacy or white privilege or social justice or critical race theory. Wait, 
Uh, yeah, as in general, yeah. So the movement in the organization isn't the is is for avoiding talking about. It. Yeah, don't say those words. So, yeah. Okay. So, so the, so the movement is in an effort, in, in an effort to bring as many people to the table around those, those conversations. Mm-hmm. That, that's, this is how it's framed. In an effort to have as many people around the conversation, don't use inflammatory language that when, if people know that's coming or they're a part of those, they're immediately triggered and they want to get out of the conversation. So, so in an effort to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, we can't actually talk about it. I, I mean, there, there's, there's yes, yeah, charades. Charades is great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, it's, it's a really, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an, a fascinating, um, in my opinion, tragic example. Uh, if, it is, as I've told a number of people, uh, it is evidence that white superiority, white fragility, uh, it, it, it proves critical race theory <laughs> in so many ways by saying that this is what we, this is what we have to do. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to rest there. Um, I want us to talk about, and this might be, this, this might, this is a difficult question. Uh, so we might need some time and space to, to breathe and to think about it. But I'm curious, what are powers and principalities um, that you struggle with, uh, that you struggle with being participant in, um, uh, that you struggle with sort of knowing you're a little bit a part of it, not, so it's not, might not just be issues of race, uh, could be capitalism, uh, could be um, any number of issues, but I'm curious if we couldn't hold for a minute uh, the smaller, more subversive powers of principalities that we um, sometimes be a part of. Jen. Um, for me, it would be church. Like, and I'm not talking about like this gathering right here. I'm just talking about like the like broader church and the ugliness of that kind of power and you know the sort of pain and destruction it leaves in its wake uh makes me nervous mm. to be a part of it.
ramble for a minute. Um, so this set the, yeah. I don't know. I, I say that just because there, there's, there's a whole mess of stuff that I'm trying to sort yeah. through right now. Um, like the, the big one in my mind is, is capitalism. Uh, where like I can look and see the destruction that it causes. And I also like am definitely highly invested in that system <laughs> yeah. and profit from yeah. it. Um, th- there's that, um, closer to home, literally, um, there's like this wonderful historic neighborhood that I live in and that I love a lot of the things about, um, and being around the other members of the association with the home tour, uh, this past weekend, Reminds me that we don't always see eye to eye on a lot of things. One of the things I like about my neighborhood is the, it's diminishing, but the economic diversity of it. We have nice homes. We have rental homes. We have fourplexes and duplexes and apartment complexes. Um, but then again, being around other people that have been driving the historic society and they're like, ah, this apartment called, I wish that it would just be torn down so we can get rid of it. There used to be seven houses here and I'm looking at it I'm like, oh gosh, there's probably like room for like, there's like, like 20, maybe, maybe 20 units over here. Like mm-hmm. more people get to live here <laughs> and I think it's great. Um, but to kind of see that and to see how that is actually affecting the school and the neighborhood as attendance drops every year. Um, because the families that were in the apartments are either being priced out yeah. or, um, and the people that are moving in, some of them will send their kids to our school. Um, I wonder about the work that I do. Um, there are some clients that we have that I can look at and they're like, genuinely, it's a positive thing. Um, and I feel good about that. I can't say that for all of the ones that I work with and I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, I want to do good work, but do I really want this particular thing to succeed and play out? I struggle with that. I don't know. Hmm. There's, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think my minutes up. Thanks, Ted. I've really been struggling lately with my workplace. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the explicit refusal to honor the full dignity of our LGBTQ neighbors and the, um, the harm that I hear from some of our LGBTQ students that it causes. Uh, I think kind of along uh, when being in the nonprofit world yeah. and uh, 
what that means as far as, uh, you know, I feel, I feel, uh, very, uh, called and thankful for the ministry that I work in, but like we have to have funds in order to do the things that we do and, yeah. uh, and being able to try and create spaces that are safer spaces for people in, in Christian leadership also means that we can't necessarily be as open mm-hmm. as we would like to be in those spaces and the kind of how that, how to that balance in all of those yeah. and all of those situations. Thanks, Sarah. Gotta hit the mute. I think I feel frustrated with the anger that I feel towards all the things around all these subjects of feeling, I hate to say woke, more woke or more self-righteous than some of the people that I live around or share community space with in the new Testament passage that we read. Yeah. I feel like those verses, especially around an election time can just be used to support whatever side you fall on of, you know, that's, um, you know, you're going to stand out and you're not going to fit in during this, you know, and, in my neighborhood and a lot of the community spaces I share, whatever side people were on, they would feel aligned with those verses. Yeah. And yeah. um that they're more, you know, woke or informed or well balanced in their news feeds than than other people and how um we coexist above that or within that or um in those spaces uh, with learning postures and postures of love and I don't know I just feel and I feel like I don't want to be angry at people I share community space with but I do feel angry and I'm sure that that's reciprocated and um and that just feels very like and then at the same time I'm benefiting from the power spaces I'm mad at them for supporting right right I do still prosper in those systems <laughs> so then it's just like dang it, i can't be mad at them because i wouldn't want that to go away <laughs> but <laughs> um so yeah just so many angry complicated feelings Um, uh, so my, my intent was not to make us feel hopeless. Yep. I'm positive. I'm positive. Yeah. Go in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a friend in Bellingham, Monim, who manages hedge funds that are compliant with Sharia law. Uh, and the big, the big three 
things that um, there's there's a number of things, but the big the biggest three things that they try to avoid investing in um, alcohol, tobacco, pornography. And he's told me uh, finding companies that aren't attached to those three is really hard. Um, that uh, it might not it might you might have company A that doesn't invest in those, but they invest in a company that invests in a company that sponsors that. So, so much of his job is sort of tracking all of those things. Um, and in a world uh, as globalized as ours, right? My, my hunch is all of us are wearing something or have something in our homes that if we trace its production, we wouldn't be the most proud, right? Um, that we just live in a really complex time and space. And I say that to say, as we wrestle with these sorts of things about what it means to live with wisdom, that is the way that we believe as Christians, the way of Jesus in the world, uh, to be kind to ourselves. Um, not to hold it loosely, but to do the best that we can today and to keep asking the question uh, that as we struggle with our complicity in the powers and principalities of the empire, um, that we, A, actually struggle with it and don't give up that struggle. Unfortunately, that is sad news. Like, that's never going to go away. Uh, but that we also try to do the next best thing we can do in love. Uh, and we stay with something as long as we can until we can't anymore. Whether it is participation in a neighborhood or participation in a job or participation in a church for Jen, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. That, that you, you stay as long as you can until you realize I can't do this anymore. Um, and that you're kind to yourself as you're trying to work out in the complexity and that you're kind to others who are called to spaces that you're no longer called to. Am I making sense? Because I think about people who are in spaces, whether it's churches that aren't open and affirming uh, or churches that have clearly and explicitly taken the middle road on issues of race. Um, I can't do that for myself anymore. And I have frustrations and questions about people who are in leadership there. But I also know some of the people that I know who are in those spaces also feel called to those spaces because there's people who are hurting there that they want to be a semi-safe person with in the midst of that, right? So, so as we wrestle with this whole notion, as we reflect on Daniel's invitation written to a bunch of people long ago who are in their own messed up empire, that's literally killing them. That we not just take those words as a historical lesson, like, ooh, isn't this interesting? All the kings and, 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 you know, weird things that Daniel did and the weird visions and not just take it as, ooh, what's going to happen in the future, but to ask the question of ourselves today. Um, how might we wrestle in the same way? How might we be invited more deeply into a life giving power instead of the power of empire? Amen. Go in peace. Um.